With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Garden State of Hockey podcast. My name is Dan Roselle, and I'm joined, as always, by John Fisher. How are you doing today, John? I'm doing fairly well in these cold, snowy times in New Jersey to discuss a hockey team that continues <sighs> to lose its way to the island of relevancy in that they're becoming increasingly irrelevant, Dan. Yeah, it's, it's we're back. We're back in familiar territory. We're back in the doldrums. We've got four losses in five games to talk about, right? That's what we're at. Um, I believe sure. that sounds about right. Let me quickly check. Actually, no, Dan, it's three losses in four games. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Although <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to spoil this for everybody. There's going to be some L's coming the next couple, the next couple games, guys. Well, so let's, some losses on the horizon. So let's get to that when we get to all of that. And and first and foremost, um, uh, okay, so this was something that we just wanted to address for the sake of doing so. But again, it, it's something that we cannot speak on better than P.K. Subban of the New Jersey Devils. And of course, mm. um, after the racist incident involving his brother in the American Hockey League, uh, his statement... ECHL. Oh, it was the ECHL. Okay. Um, that's, well, this was following earlier in the week. I think something happened in the American. Yeah, literally, literally well. less than 24 hours before Jordan Subban um, was uh, incited by a racist gesture. Mm-hmm. Um, in the AHL, a Bo- Boko Imama mm-hmm. of the, I know he plays for Los Angeles's farm system. He was the victim of a racist gesture, which the, the player um, in the AHL was suspended for 30 games, whereas the player in the ECHL game that impacted Jordan Saban um, was not only suspended indefinitely, but cut by the team. He, mm-hmm. He's been officially released from Jacksonville. Yeah. And so uh, again, there's, I don't know what people are expecting us to say anything compared to what PK Subban did and has been saying this whole time. I would urge you to go listen to his statement about, it. I would urge you to go listen to, um, you know, the way he talks about this issue. This is something that he's been dealing with for so long. So uh, just like you said before this recording session, John, don't, don't debate, just sit and listen for a while and then, you know, see what you can do to help because this is a clearly a prevalent issue in the hockey community that uh, while there may have been strides made, it's not anywhere near going away. No. And, and the only thing I will add to this uh, is that, you know, this is not a, necessarily an NHL or an AHL or an ECHL. We, I, I mean, hockey in the larger sense of the word. I mean, mm-hmm. think of your youth leagues, think of your beer league, your recreational leagues, just going to a hockey game, you know, whether or not somebody is saying something bad about um, 
different races, different ethnic backgrounds. You know, I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, nobody can make jokes or, you know, you know, that's kind of camaraderie. That's a thing that's never going to go away. But, you know, when somebody is saying something out of pocket and, and nobody says anything, then that's how that stuff kinds of persists and it festers. And the last thing that you and I would want, Dan, are, you know, potential members of the people who matter to suddenly realize, well, maybe this isn't for me. And all that's done is by some idiot in the stands or some doofus at uh, rec league hockey at 9 PM after a rough game or whatever, you know? So everybody just, everybody don't frame it as if this is just a professional league problem and the professionals have to take care of it. Think of hockey in the larger context of the fandom of the sport. And you and I, and a lot of the people who listen to this podcast, I think we'd agree that hockey is, um, you know, the best sport. I think it's the one we definitely mm-hmm. enjoy the most. So why not invite more people in? Why not make it a more welcoming place for more people to be a part of? That's something that Certainly. should be the goal of, you know, everyone who enjoys the sport in any sort of way. It's just better to share that with more people. It's the more the merrier. And that's just, oh, yeah, makes exactly. Yeah. And I think a lot of the people who have good intentions and responses to what Saban is saying, what other players are saying in light of uh, the the two racist incidents in the last uh, 48 hours of North American ice hockey is that, you know, people are people, you know, just show them a hockey game. And if if they get into it, they get into it. You know, it's not rocket science here. You know, Um, you have to try to keep people away. I I don't think the game is nearly as... um, unreachable i think it's a case of if you're into sports and you like fast paced high octane chaotic action and you like it with sticks and ice and uh, a team in north uh, team playing out of northern new jersey then this is your sport mm-hmm. um unfortunately dan and this is going to be maybe one of the more awkward segues i will do in the history of garden state of hockey <laughs> go on the new jersey devils of this season however <laughs> um they're not exactly going to be helping a lot of people want to get into hockey there may be more questions of why do you care so much about this team as opposed to hey this is cool i want to go to more games and i kind of want to rework this this is what i was alluding to before um you know know, before the recording started as well i think slowly and surely the devils are finding a way to pinpoint exactly what the issue is And I want to, you know, I think we had more of a vague gesturing to everything before uh, when it was less concrete where the pipeline would be coming from, when it was less obvious if those pipeline players would be able to produce. Now we're seeing them start to do so. There's a couple players at a point per game. The players that should be hovering around there and that should be producing have started to do so. And, And the results point to a clear and obvious issue. And I would say it would have been two clear and obvious issues, except one of them has seen a dramatic improvement in the last, what do I say, two, three weeks or so? Um, pretty much since Christmas, the power play has just been a completely different beast. And mm. now it all comes down to, well, if the Devils had received at any point league average goaltending, maybe we're not talking about another lost season, but it, it seems like that is the prevalent, the prevalent, the pervasive, the prevailing issue for this team. Um, one that we had hoped would be that, like one that we had hoped was addressed in the off season with um, Bernier being signed, but it just, again, didn't pan out. It just seems like Blackwood just never got right. He never got right mm-hmm. from that heel. And now he's not able to play in games because of it. Oh, I, I've got a little bit more to say about that, but let's do it in the context of covering the games 
Um, we've got four games to go over since our last recording. We've got the Islanders game, which was John Gillis's first start since uh, just before Christmas, before the COVID-induced Christmas break on uh, December 19th. He got the start, Dan, because Blackwood and Schmid got on the COVID protocol list. Mm-hmm. And if Gillis, God forbid, got hurt in that game, can you name the emergency backup goaltender <laughs> for this one, Dan? I believe his name was Kyle Shapiro. Kyle Shapiro, assistant coach of the Junior <laughs> Titans, a youth team. It, it, you know, he stands of all of 5'9 and 170 something pounds soaking wet. Um, last played Division Three hockey, college hockey as a goaltender. Um, he did not have to go in. <laughs> However, this does not belie the, whether or not John Gillis was particularly good. I will say he wasn't bad in the Long Island game. Yeah. However, However, as well as the Devils generally did a performance there, they even got a power play goal, to your point, mm-hmm. that Nathan Bastion net front whisperer. Yeah, uh, apparently. Deflection. You got Yegor Sharangovich, who was then hot at scoring goals. However, the Devils found ways to uh, find themselves down in the game, and a simple miscommunication between Mr. Sharangovich and Mr. Hughes in coverage led to Matthew Barzal open in the slot, Dan, would you like to know what happened? Uh, there was a goal. There was a goal. And with you know less than five minutes left in the game, that goal was enough to secure the 3-2 L in Long Island. So the Devils and the Islanders both came back from a significantly long break. And um, it was good for the Islanders. They've been hot recently. And mm-hmm. as for the Devils, um, it was very disappointing that they had four days to prepare for this. And, um, you know, we're seeing miscommunications on defense that you would expect from guys who haven't played with each other, except it's from guys who have been playing with each other for over a season with a coaching staff who has seen them for over a season. And uh, the phrase Zach Parisi shorthanded goal is enough to just instill horror into you, just a visceral horror, but also Zach Parisi first goal of the season, I think um, happened mm. earlier this year against the devils. Uh, yes. That so... was, that was way back in December 11th, back when the Devils were uh, embarking on their almost one win December. Ugh. They got three that month, everybody. Ugh. Awful. But, um, you know, after this game, it, it does get worse because then it they enter worse. another long layover uh, for, for some reason or for the Canadian reason, I suppose. They, they had another long That's layover right. before they would to face the Arizona Coyotes, the team that was designed to get a uh, advantageous draft pick this season. And the Devils got outdueled by a goalie, the goalie who uh, Vermelka, is that his name? I don't even really know, but he was way better than Blackwood was that night because the devils tripled them up on shots almost and lost the game four to one. It's actually worse than that, Dan. It's much worse than you described. So the goaltender in question is Carol Vejmelka. Mm -hmm. And he is obviously an up and coming for a then nine win Arizona team. Mm. And the first period, Dan was all devils. I'm serious. When I say this, Arizona had one shot on net all period. And this wasn't a case of the scorer being extra, you know, stingy or anything. Arizona looked absolutely terrible to start this game, like preseason pace hockey. You know, every devil was looking to go one-on-one with a Coyotes defenseman. And they won a lot of those one-on-ones. It was Mm -hmm. almost like, it was almost like a scrimmage at one point. And it was because of Vejmelka that the only 
goal that he allowed was to Nico Heischer on a power play where Hughes drove the net. He makes a save there. Brat recovers, finds Heischer in the slot. Puck dribbles in past his leg. Mm-hmm. Then in the second period, Jacob Chetron <sighs> after the game said that uh, said something to the effect to the Associated Press that, um, you know, after that first period, you understand what the Devils are doing with the rushes and how they're playing. So we adjusted. And as a result, we played much better. And they did play much better, Dan. Effectively, Arizona downloaded the New Jersey Devils game plan. Mm-hmm. And while the while the record will show the Devils still outshot them 15 to 7, the dangerous ones were mostly on Arizona's side. And um, the shots started to go in. Dyson Mayo, who is a player whose name I am not making up, Ugh. scored through a screen on what was Arizona's third shot of the game just after the devils killed a penalty ryan graves commits a horrible turnover to uh, anton strawman who finds uh, louis erickson in front blackwood stops erickson and while damon severson is standing like a statue in front of him lawson kraus scores on his knees on the rebound to make it two to one and then a couple minutes later travis boyd redirects in a shot by clayton keller that beats Blackwood. These weren't soft goals to allow. The only people who will say these are softer people who are uh, either A, extraordinarily mad at Blackwood, or B, looking too hard at the XG of the five-on-five situations, ignoring the fact that if you include all situations for the game, Arizona's XG was four, and they scored four in this game. Um, But nevertheless, the Devils were basically defeated at this point. And the third period saw a Devils team that was not willing to make a comeback, um, they gave up a fourth goal to Johan Larson because who wants to cover the slot on the rush, Dan? Who who wants to do this? I, Sharon Govich certainly doesn't have any idea. What, no, we have what no volunteers. No. And, and just a lot of ghosts in this game. Like Sharon Govich disappeared in the game. Zaka was a ghost in this game. Johnson was a ghost in this game. Mercer wasn't doing much. Tatar was trying, but not all that much. By near the end of the game, the offense was basically if Jack Hughes can take on three guys, Jesper Brock could take on three guys, or Nico Heischer could take on three guys. There was just a lot of, not a lot of volunteers to really produce here. And it just showed in the, in the wake of a very disappointing 4-1 loss, not so much that the Devils blew it in the second period, similar to how they lost to San Jose uh, close to a month ago, but mm. also the fact that the Devils just didn't really have a response to a nine-win hockey team. This may shock you, Dan, but this is the kind of stuff that makes me make, makes people like me write that the New Jersey Devils are a mentally fragile team. Mm-hmm. And and to continue just how baffling they are, uh, first I want to make mention that all these games have happened without Dougie Hamilton, the uh, defenseman they paid a significant amount of money for this oh, yeah. offseason. Um, as part of the whole this season is cursed again, perspective that is not something that was anticipated and obviously it has made these games a lot tougher than they had to be um i just want to get that out there because make no mistake this roster is is this roster but also it's missing a significantly large piece in dougie hamilton right now um he, he was contributing a lot to actually helping out the offense overcome things like blackwood allowing four goals on 14 shots you know things like that um, right But anyway, we move on to a truly confounding effort again, as the Devils somehow gave up four goals against, but this time scored a touchdown the other way against one of the best teams in their division and in the NHL. Um, And I think really what we can point to in this game is that the Devils made a rookie goalie uh, really look like a rookie goalie. Yeah, the the complaints that, oh, here's this guy I've never heard of. You know, he's going to shut us out. No, stop. You're not allowed to complain about that for a while now. Mm -hmm. I don't want to hear it. Because Jack LaFontaine 
literally signed out of college because Carolina had no other goaltenders available to play. Yep. Got this start. And oh my goodness, he got done. It was almost like, welcome to the NHL, son. This ain't college. And mind you, LaFontaine was doing well in college. It wasn't mm-hmm. like he was a scrub there. But, um, you know, credit to the Devils for hanging with one of the best teams in the league in Carolina, one of the most offensively charged teams in the league in Carolina, one of the most structured teams in the league in Carolina, even if the way they did it was based on, you know, they finally got a lot of breaks that their offense kind of needs to have happen to score goals. And most of the time they don't get them. But at this point of the season, you take what you can get. And so they got a brace of deflections from Nation Bastion to tie it up in the first period. You got Michael McLeod slamming in a rebound, which is great for McLeod because he scores a goal. And two, there was a rebound to score a goal on. Andreas Johnson scores his first goal in a while. Yep. Which on a, on a rush that started by a Pavel Zaka power move through a defender, something very rare from number 37 this season. And then just after Brady Shea uh, joined a two-on-one rush after a terrible pinch by Colton White, near the end of the second, Jesper Bratt puts the Devils up 5-4 with another rebound goal. So he stays hot. Jack Hughes converts a power play to really put them up. Zaka then finishes a rebound, which was also another wonderful occurrence for a guy who hasn't done, who's done a whole lot of diddly and squat over the last couple of weeks. He makes it seven to four and you're sitting there going, it's not that Carolina played a bad game and just, you know, didn't have it. It was just the devil just feasted on LaFontaine mm-hmm. and um, they got the deflections or rebounds that their offense wants to create, but rarely do, but they got them all and they got them in this game. So credit to them yeah and they, they, they played bail- fast and they looked pretty good doing it yeah they and they also bailed out john gillis um who got this start because shall <sighs> i move on to the next day dan yeah i'm about it. to rant about this i need to rant about something that was announced before the game against los angeles on sunday night yeah it was announced from amanda stein team reporter of the new jersey devils that according to lindy ruff Uh, The training staff believes that Blackwood still has some issues and isn't ready to go yet. Now, Dan, Mm. he played on Wednesday night against Arizona. He played the whole game. There was no announcement after the game that he was injured. Mm. There was no announcement after the game or even on Saturday before or during the Carolina game that Blackwood was hurt or was ill. Nope. So, Dan, I have a question for you. Is this a new issue with Blackwood? Is this a re-injured, a re-injury of an older issue since he did have a neck issue that caused him to miss a couple games a couple weeks ago? Mm. Or um, or perhaps it's that heel injury that caused him to get surgery in the offseason? Or, 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 or and more, most importantly, Dan, here's my big question for you. Did the Devils just admit that they played a less than 100% Blackwood and constantly played him? over and over and over again, only giving John Gillis starts out of necessity. Mm-hmm. And maybe, 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 maybe that's why he's been providing less than 100% results that oh, the Devils have been intentionally entirely... running a man into the ground. No, it's possible. It's possible that's the case. And also it makes it much more difficult to evaluate his place in the team moving forward. It makes it harder Correct. to, um, it's kind of the, I don't know, to use a football analogy, the Zach Wilson situation, he got hurt for a significant portion of the season. This is Blackwood going on being hurt or some degree of, um, you know, impaired for a season and a half now. So how can we judge him? But it's clear that that is the issue that's plaguing the devils more than anything else right now. 
it is goaltending. They are getting zero stops in opportune moments. I mean, what they did with Gillies, but that was already after he had given up four goals earlier in the game. And that was at 4-4. It's a very different situation. But again, that is the number one issue. So how can you make an assessment on that when you're trotting out Mackenzie Blackwood over and over again? And more more importantly than that, Dan. Go ahead. If they're willing to run Blackwood to the ground, how many other players on this team are, you know, injured? And I get it. This is hockey. Everybody's got a minor injury. Everybody in pro sports is playing through something. You know, if you're looking for 100% healthy guys, you're not going to find it at game 39 of a season. I get it. But if you got a guy like Blackwood that, you know, has an injury and you know he's not performing to the best of his abilities and it's clearly hampering him, why are you still playing him as if he is perfectly capable? They, it and feels question, like they have no other options. Well, well for the at skater, that's why I'm saying, like, think beyond just Blackwood. Like, yeah. obviously, they don't have any other options. It's Gillis or, you know, call up Schmid or Dawes and, and run it somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately, I have to question it also for other skaters. Maybe that would explain why some of these performers – Uh, performances from some of the skaters have also been bad basically this whole statement and i know i may be making a bit of a mountain out of a mole here dan but Mm -hmm. uh i really have to question are the coaching is the coaching staff and the training staff really performing with the team's best interests of their mind Uh, to your point how can you properly analyze if this player is going to be somebody you can lean on for the future if you're just running them out into the ground to be less than knowing full well they're not going to be able to perform you know, a hundred percent because they're not a hundred percent. Like it, it, it's, it's, it, this is the kind of thing I almost want to say this should get a coat. This should get somebody fired at this point. Like if it comes out that Blackwood has been actually seriously hurt this entire time, but you know, the devil started him like five out of the last six games or something like that. Like mm-hmm. help me make sense of this. No, I can't. Good. I can't, I can't do that at all. <laughs> um, It's, it's just, uh, it's tough that, several seasons in a row now it has been a okay they needed someone behind blackwood as insurance and then the insurance is no more so quickly so quickly and i don't really know it's just a string of horrendous luck um that's what i would call it so far i guess but maybe they're not doing the due diligence in terms of seeing just how injured these players are before they sign them i don't want to accuse them of doing that i feel like they no 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 do i don't as part I don't, of their jobs but like i don't mean they didn't do their due diligence i'm questioning whether or not they're you know they're playing players no no i'm that's yeah. i'm talking about a completely different point i'm saying oh, okay I'm are, are people yes. going to accuse them of not doing their due diligence oh with no, Crawford, no, no no with bernier things like that because no. that is a whole different conversation it's just so useless to have it's just let's chalk it up to bad luck and hope that eventually you right. know dawes and schmidt can pan out because as it stands now will blackwood get healthy i i hope so but what will that even look like Right, exactly. You're hoping for some type of Carter Hart blow uh, glow up after his horrible season last season. In that case, not that it's doing the Flyers any good right now, but that's a different subject altogether. But Dan, mm-hmm. what this meant was that Blackwood was unavailable for both games, so it was John Gillis getting Gillis yet show. another start, and he did perform better. He did not give a short side goal, you know, early in the game like he did against Carolina. Yep. Um, however, this one was a little bit more maddening to watch in that um, this was, I think, a much more winnable game than the Carolina game. If the Carolina game was, hey, a lot of things just kind of 
gravitated correctly. You know, you got the rebounds, you got the deflections, you got the goals, you hung with a high scoring team. This was a game. This was a game against a goaltender that was suspect. You got a great period out of Jesper Bratt, and then you didn't do nearly enough to make uh, the Kings earn this. Whereas uh, uh, the Devils did their best to help the Kings win this through their own miscues on and off the puck. Well, and correct me if I'm, I'm wrong here. This was this not like maybe I'm conflating years here, but did this not feel exactly like the Kings game they played in Los Angeles? No, because that was a game where the Devils were leading and then Damon Stevens took three straight minor penalties and gave up a uh, crucial equalizer that led to an overtime loss. Oh, so that um, was OK. OK, not quite, but still an infuriating loss in which a right. very, very winnable game just. Yeah, the away. Devils took 25 shots on net in this game. Twenty five. And again, we're not talking about the Canes here, guys. We're not talking about a top-tier team. L.A. is good. L.A. is going to be playing for some meaningful games. Surprise, everybody. You don't need to spend six-plus years to rebuild a hockey team, apparently, because mm. L.A. is doing it right now. Mm. But uh, the, ga- the Devils conceded 37 shots to Los Angeles, and the Killers came, unfortunately, with the assistance of one Jack Hughes, where a bad drop-pass misread help lead to an Alex Iafello goal that tied it up 1-1 in the first period. In mm-hmm. the second period, Hughes got knocked off the puck. Um, Graves uh, took the worst time possible to make a change, but I understand it's the second period. You got to make a change when you can. He uh, That misread allowed Victor Arvidsson to have tons of space to make it 2-2. And then in the third period, a, conc- a complete collapse on defense where Hughes loses his man. Brat doesn't pick him up. Sharon Govich is lost. I don't know who Subban was covering. But Carl Gunstrom basically came out of the corner and went, oh, nobody followed me. Hey, Dustin Brown, I'm wide open. He gets the puck and he scores and it's three to two. And that's yeah. that's your game. Yep. Like Gillis did the best he possibly could expect given his uh, pedigree. Um, Jesper Bratt did all he could. <laughs> Jesper Bratt did all he could. Damon Stevenson actually had a really good game in of itself. So he, mm-hmm. in a way, he redeemed himself from his earlier screw up in Los Angeles this season. However, mm-hmm. he got mistakes from Hughes. You got an offense in general that just did not uh, put enough pressure on the Kings. And I understand that the old line of, oh, well, the Kings are heavy and they're big and the Devils are soft and they're not strong enough. Like, where was the effort? Where was the uh, the pace? Where was the work ethic? Because you don't need to be a big dude to do any of those three things I just mentioned. And I understand they played against Carolina the night before, but they also have been had, they've also had a lot of long breaks uh, before this back-to-back weekend so i can't really buy fatigue as being that big of an issue Mm-mm. even if even given that you know la didn't play on saturday night and the devils did yeah no it, they they didn't have their legs for the third at all they just completely no. lost them uh by that point in the game and that's just gonna happen we're more at this point you know we're less concerned about results game wise i think already than we are progress and development for the younger players we're back at that point of everything and you look at the standings right now um it's key it's clear where they have to improve it is the goaltending they've given up so so many goals um throughout the season but every single team that's in a negative goal differential is out of the playoffs every single team that's in the positive is in the playoffs right now with the exception of one in the western conference and that's flip calgary and san jose because san jose has played six more games than calgary and so it is 
more important than ever. I think in years past, we've seen examples of teams who kind of rode the fringes and won a lot of close games, lost a lot of close games. But here, there are wide margins on either side of zero for goals, you know, goals for versus goals against. And the Devils are on the wrong side of that yet again. Absolutely. And again, it's not necessarily just, oh, just get better, a better guy than Blackwood. Because again, I, I'll point to you to November where the Devils did have average goal thinning that month. Statistically, they did. You know, Blackwood and Bernier were good in November. They won five games out of out of 14 or 13. So, you know, it's not an easy win button, but I understand. Well, that was you know, also the without Devil, Hughes. It was also without Hughes, but that also back then you still had Johnson scoring. Mercer was hot. Uh, Zaka scored occasionally, you know. Uh, there were some other guys who were doing doing the work, so to speak. But the point mm. I'm trying to make here is that is you're, you're not wrong. You know, especially in this Eastern Conference this season, where you look at the whole standings, it's not that just New Jersey is in this boat. Columbus has a very similar goal differential. Philadelphia has a has an even worse goal differential. And than if the you Devils. think the Devils are bad, Detroit. I just want to point out that today, first of all, a shout out. This is an NHL mark, not just a, a team mark. So congratulations, Keith and Alford at seven o'clock, tying the record for most consecutive games played in the NHL. That is a wild bonkers that yeah wild number and especially because he's probably going to just surpass it i can't like he's come this far but anyway he tries to do that as the flyers try to save off their 12th straight loss so as bad as things are in northern new jersey they're worse in southern new jersey i'd say right but the larger point is that there's a bit there's you look at the east it's very much a haves and haves nots and unfortunately the devils are not a have, you know, they're, so they're going to get pounded by these better teams. Yes. They beat Carolina. Yes. They did beat Tampa Bay earlier this season, uh, but they're going to continue to get pounded by these clearly superior teams because they've got the, uh, the horses up front, so to speak, they've got the defensemen to support them. And so they can get, a, those are the teams that can get away with a guy like Blackwood going through some struggles. Like I saw the statistic that Washington has not had anything close to average goaltending as of late, they're going to be a playoff team, Dan. Yeah. Partially, mostly because Alex Ovechkin is playing out of his mind, but that's the point is that they have the talent to surpass this in addition to the results to stave off any slumps. Whereas a team like New Jersey or Philadelphia, you know, they're so much in the mud that, you know, they're going to need a hot streak to get out of it. I actually wrote about this at all about the Jersey on Monday where I pleaded, pleaded. And I do mean this, do not try to tank the rest of the season. Cause if you're going to try to compete with Montreal or Ottawa, or, or uh, Seattle, for, or Arizona even, for a bottom spot, you're going to have to play some unwatchable hockey. Yep. And I'm not going to lie to you, Dad. The, the games that we've just talked about, three out of the last four, uh, they weren't fun games to watch. Yeah, no. They're not going to be good games to watch. And I got some bad news, Dad. It's not going to get better this week. We, we've had enough unwatchable, um, I'd say. I think I'm pretty over the unwatchable games. If they try their best to actually, you know, even if they don't yeah. get the results – They'll get some rise and that'll be yeah. fun. Yeah. Try just don't, yeah. don't mail it in and start doing stupid things like Mason Geertz and top six winger or something like yeah, that. Don't park the bus. Yeah, exactly. You know, don't go out there and try to like, I understand you're going to sell. I understand that, you know, yeah, the devils are likely to get a, a bottom pick this year's draft class. is not a bad draft class. Don't let the haters tell you that it's a bad draft class, but it's also not a class where, Number, you need to get number one or you need to get number two. It's not that type of year. It just isn't. So just go out there and try your best. And, and this way, 
prove that you're not as bad as you were last season for real. And then then maybe just maybe you could take that step that uh, has been promised for seemingly six straight seasons now. Mm-hmm. However, Dan, let me tell you about the next five games where that's absolutely not going to happen short of a miracle. Oh boy, Dan, are you ready for this next set of five games? Are you, are you prepared for this uh, uh, level of competition here? It's not going to be fun. Well, their best chance at a W is going to be tomorrow night where the Devils are ending a four-game homestand against Dallas. Dallas, um, well, they're not a playoff team. They're not a bad team, but they're a bad road team. They're 6-12-1 mm-hmm. on the road this season compared to 14-4-1 in the Big D, as they call it. Uh, so the best chance for the Devils to get a win over these next five is probably going to be at home versus Dallas. Please do so because after this, They will go back to Tampa Bay for Thursday night. And yes, the Devils did win a game in Tampa Bay uh, way back in November. They had a miracle third period comeback. It was wonderful. It was fun. Very fun. But Mm -hmm. Tampa Bay is 7-3-0 in their last 10 games. And um, they've only lost four games in regulation at home. So uh, your odds of that repeating, I wouldn't hold your breath. It's not happening. And speaking of other things that are happening, as fun as that 7-4 win over Carolina was, on the 29th, the Devils will be in Raleigh, North Carolina, um, to play the Canes, obviously. And uh, I got to tell you, Dan, I don't think Carolina is going to forget about what happened on the 22nd. And I feel like they're not going to have Jack LaFontaine start that game. And I feel like they're going to have a little bit of incentive to pound the Devils into dust in that one. Yeah, that's going to be uh, – <laughs> that's going to be – a tough road test to say the least for the team. Right. And then the five uh, let's games. Stop at that. Yeah. No, no, there's no, I'm, I'm adding, I said five. Oh I no. I mean three. like in terms of what we're calling it beyond oh, yeah, a tough sorry. road test. Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, the devils will be on the road because they're first of eight rescheduled hockey games. Mm-hmm. They did announce this um, in the middle of the month. The devils have rescheduled their game. So uh, what was supposed to be their game on January 15th is now on January 31st, which is next Monday. They will be in Toronto. So Toronto, the most heavily covered team outside of Quebec. Uh, the Devils, so the Devils will get a lot of media attention. Well, guess what, Dan? Toronto's also a really good team with a lot of great scoring. Doesn't lose a lot of game at home. And then after that game in Toronto, they will play each other again on February 1st in New Jersey. That was originally scheduled to be on February 1st before the Olympic break. But that game is now a home and home. Mm-hmm. Good luck, guys. Um, you got four, four, four of the strongest or three, I should say, of the strongest teams in the East in the next four games after Dallas tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Well, I, they, I, I'm not confident, Dan. They're not going to I mean, they're not going to get the results, but let's just hope they make it fun to watch. Let's hope they keep it close. Let's hope Try. They make it competitive. Yeah, exactly. Go to overtime. That's nice. You sure. get a point. Yeah. You, you show some competitiveness. I feel like I'm pleading here. Come on, just go to overtime for us. You know, it's, you know, I'm not saying you got to win four one in these games, but do, do the best you can, you know, grind it out, grind out a game. And then you have a much easier, well, maybe not much, but you get a little respite after that Toronto moment. All right. And with all that on the horizon, that brings us to the end of this episode, I think, um, unless John, you have any thoughts otherwise. Sure. I know there's suddenly a, an increase of people who matter who want to know, hey, should the Devils get Patrick Line? Huh. Well, first and foremost, he's a restricted free agent. Um, so Columbus 
has every right to qualify him. Now he would have to be qualified at $7.5 million because that is his current contract. And given that he makes that much money, it's a hundred percent qualifying uh, offer that has to be required. So Columbus, all they have to do is qualify him. And then, you know, that's it. Now, in terms of trading for Patrick Laine, that's, a, you know, I, I think the world of his talent, I think he's gone astray a bit, um, you know, but I do think, you know, the goal scoring, there's an argument to be made. It could come back. Like he's got 15 points in 20 games this season. So it's not like he's a total scrub, but I, I, I'm not looking for, I don't think what the devils would have to give up to get line A would necessarily make it worth it. So I, I would, I, you know, if you want to go pie in the sky for a trade, look to Chicago. They're apparently trading everybody at this point. Even Alex, the cat may be available. That's a guy you want to go for. He scores lots oh, of goals. Man. Almost like they I know, just drafted him the first time. Yeah, they, they, they should have drafted him the first time. But, yeah, you know, yeah. who listens to us? We're just hockey bloggers. And besides, Fine. he's small, Dan. He's small. Small players can't play. According to the fans of the team that love Brian Gianta. Former captain Brian Gianta. Yeah. <laughs> Needless to say, that's how I feel about the people who say stuff like that. Oh, sorry. Not, not devil's captain, but former captain everywhere else he was. <laughs> he was a great player for New Jersey. Yeah. Fantastic player. It would be great to have the next Brian Gianta, but Alex the Brinkat would also probably cost an arm. We just call him the Brat now. That's what we do. Well, depending on his next contract, he may he may walk in there and say, "Hey, I'm the new Brian Gianta, baby." Uh, Yeah, you're not wrong. That's it. That hey, he's already matched his career high in points in less than 41 games. So at least Jesper Bratz, you know, get that money, get that bag. Good for him. Go, go, go out and get it. You know, you should have been the all-star Jack Hughes is the all-star this year, everybody, but Brat should have been the all-star pick if it were up to me. But then again, it's not up to me. All right. So as the devils uh, don't focus on other restricted free agents and said, focus on what they're going to have to pay their own. We'll let them deal with that for the time being as the gauntlet begins. Hopefully the damage is not too significant to our psyches and theirs, but we'll see you on the other side of that as the devils, Uh, take on this tough stretch of the season. So thank you as always for joining us and let's go devils. Go devils. Go devils.